working the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Warkey asks for it and now has it. Warkey will throw across the middle. Got it complete. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. After a long and protracted layoff, SRZ is back. I'm your man, Nathan Stearns, the only returning contributor. We had to bid adieu to Eric Bach, Joe Dandron, and Ryan Collins, who have all sadly graduated and moved on to greener pastures. I know that makes it sound like that they're all dead, but I can assure you that they are not. Joined alongside by fellow MSU football beat reporter Zach Serdanik and Aiden Champion. Boys, how do you like the Holiday Inn in Indy? This is quite nice, ain't it? Solid, for sure. Right across the street from the stadium, just perfect. Got the nice hot tub, too. Like mm-hmm. That was clutch last night and tonight. We're fresh out of the pool, so we're feeling good. Yeah. I don't know, and I also like that, like, you open the door and there's the vending machine right there. That's like, the bad. Sprite machine that has been beckoning bad. me all night. Yeah, but it hardly has anything in it. Yeah, that's true. I tried to get a lemonade earlier, and it was, like, sold out. And I was like, bro, I already put my money in. Right. I had to get a water. Still wasn't as good as the food we got today at the Big Ten Media Day. That Some really good chicken, chicken tenders, tenders, sweet chicken. baby raised barbecue sauce. Can't beat it. Can't mess up chicken tenders. But based on what you heard from MSU coach, from MSU head coach Mel Tucker today, too, you would think that you couldn't beat Michigan State either. Sounded very confident, very, very confident in his 2021 Michigan State Spartans. Honestly, uh, obviously on the same day that they announce the transfers. You can't really ask about the transfers until they're announced, and they're announced on the roster during the second half of media day. What did we think? Were there any initial surprises based on what he said or the roster or anything like that? Um, I think Angelo Groves being moved to safety was a little bit of a surprise. But based on how everybody talked about him, like they seem really confident with him in that safety position. And so that's something that I think will be a big thing to watch going forward with this Michigan State team in that secondary, how that defense kind of shifts together. But just overall, how the team comes together. And that was kind of the theme today was coming together togetherness. Tucker mentioned over and over again when talking about this team when you add that many new guys to a roster like this? Well, as much as Tucker gets asked about the transfer portal, I've probably heard him say it five times since the spring that he always says we, we, at the end of the day, we start from high school. We build up just like NFL relies on the draft. That's their main focus. They build up from the high school ranks. And he likes to really uh, pound at that statement when, in reality, they've gotten a heck of a lot of recruits this year through the transfer portal. So, I don't know. Yeah, he says that almost as much as the term meat and potatoes and, and Michigan State not, not being a French pastry school. Like, when you look up the word coach speak, I'm just going to go on a little side tangent here, there would be a picture of Mel Tucker. Like, love the guy dearly. Like, anybody who's ever been around him will say that you'd run through a brick wall for him. Like, the guy comes across as a very genuine guy. But Adams, as a media member, it's like, you know exactly what we want from you. You've been doing this long enough, but you're purposely going out of the way so that we get absolutely nothing. We know that 
you talk about culture. We know that you talk about toughness. We know that, you know, you talk about making the right habits. Give us something else. He said today, it was kind of funny. He said today, somebody asked him something. I don't remember what it was, but he was, they were talking about how much he knew about his team. And he was basically like, I feel like I know everybody on our roster. I feel like I know where everybody's at. I know what you want to hear. I know what the fans want to hear. You want me to tell you how many games I think we're going to win. You want a win number. And I can't give you that because I don't know. The goal is to win every game on the schedule, but we'll see if that happens. Tell you what, though, if half of these transfers or even a third of them end up cracking out like the way I think they could, this is, I think, is a 7-win team. I mean, you look at the roster top down. When you go position by position, you add someone like Cravaris Crouch out of Tennessee, who's a borderline five-star, started 15, 20 games. I don't know exactly off the top of my head at Tennessee. Was very, very good. You had Kenneth Walker, 13 rushing touchdowns last year. That was tied for 10th in the country. Michigan State as a team runs for two touchdowns, one of which was a jet sweep to Tyler Hunt. And the other was Payne Thornton, right? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It might have been. I think so. Pretty sure he did. But you add Ronald Williams, who played in three games after getting hurt the first part of um, – after transferring from a JUCO school, going to Alabama, he gets hurt, comes back, plays three games. Chester Kimbrough played extensively at Florida. So you're finally starting to see, like, his sort of message and his sort of, like, foothold on this roster take shape. You're starting to see the foundation. You're starting to see the elements come together. You get Ben Van Sumeren, who was a fullback linebacker hybrid at Michigan. Atavian Brown of Minnesota was a former four-star. I'm happy that they listed Malik Carr as a tight end. He comes in, and he was a 6'4", 230-pound kid. You have enough receivers. You got Christian Fitzpatrick. You got Cam Coleman coming in. You got Jaylet. You got Reed come. You have Reed coming back. You have Naylor coming back. You have White. You have Mosley. I could go on and on and on. Right now, if the, if the season started tomorrow, you'd probably be seeing Tyler Hunt the converted punter, no offense to Goebbels, Michigan, but I didn't even know what Goebbels, Michigan was until last year when he said he was from Goebbels, Michigan. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm optimistic. I really, you got 15 high quality division one transfers. A lot of them were four stars. Harold Joyner adds another power running sort of element in that backfield, the former Auburn commit who had offers from Alabama, who had offers from Clemson. You look at the guys that they're getting and then all the transfers that they had leave the program and there are places like Bowling Green, Miami of Ohio, Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois in the case of Rocky Lombardi. Like, I'm optimistic. I think this is a 7-8 win team. I can see that. I think depending on how those transfers fill out and how the quarterback situation plays out, and how the offensive line plays, I think this Michigan State team could be anywhere between four and eight. And if things come together with the schedule they've got, if everything works out, they could go nine and three. I think between those two numbers is where I'm kind of sitting on my outlook of the season. One of the most exciting things for me, of course, as with every, you know, every Michigan State fan is anticipating the quarterback battle. Um, you know, Anthony Russo, he's coming in and that's, I mean, he's another one of the most elite transfers. And I don't know, you know, Mel said today he's he's not going to – everybody wanted an answer out of him. Oh, who's going to be QB1? Who, you know, who's the guy? What are we thinking? What, are we going to know by – are we going to have to wait till the end of fall camp? And he says, yeah, we'll find out in fall camp. Again, Mel not giving you what you really want to hear. But it's a real quarterback battle. Like, it's – 
it's good guys this time. Like guys, you know, we want to be battling for that position. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm looking forward to. With a guy like Russo, and Zach and I have gone back and forth about this. I think Russo goes game day one. He thinks Thorne goes day one. And first of all, you're not going to know until Northwestern. I, you are not going to know until game one. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but from what Tucker said today, he said that they were going to decide during game. Well, they're going to decide, but they're not going to tell you. That's probably true, but I just – I don't know if it's going to be – it's hard because this is first non-COVID season, and so he didn't release depth charts at all last season. But I don't know if that's something that's going to continue all of this year or if that was something just because of COVID and medical stuff. And so we could see a depth chart before week one. We could not. We don't know. Well, if you do, it's going to be Anthony Russo or Peyton Thorne. You're probably right. And yeah. it's, and I would imagine you're right. You don't want to give Northwestern something to scout. The only reason I say it's Russo, and among many other things, was a three-year starter at Temple. This guy can spin it from having a rock of an arm through 44 touchdowns to 32 interceptions. He had two eight-win years back-to-back. I don't think you bring someone like that in if you don't say, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you're going to be the starting quarterback. Like, I, I, as good as Thorne was at times, especially in the first half of that Penn State game, Russo adds a completely different dimension from like a vertical passing third. He has an arm and a half. And when he has talked to us as members of the media, he said, you know, I really wanted to come here. I thought this was my best chance. It gave me the best chance to start, to go to the NFL, and it was like the most pro-style offense. Michigan State runs a lot of go routes. They run a lot of deep post patterns, which basically means you're running 40, 45 yards, and the quarterback just throws it up. That's how Michigan beat Michigan, or that's how Michigan State beat Michigan with Ricky White, going for 200 plus yards. And I think that's what you have with Russo. He tends to throw interceptions when he's trying to fit it into double coverage. He's almost overconfident in his arm strength, but that's what you need from your quarterback. This guy's a prototypical gunslinger. That's where I have my money on. All right. I'll make the case for Thorne here. So I think one, you could potentially bring in a transfer possibly to push the younger guy there as well. But Tucker's big mantra, you mentioned it a bunch today, compete to play, compete to stay. Everything's an open competition with him. So I don't think they necessarily brought in Russo and guaranteed him a starting job by any means. I think Thorne is the guy. I've been big on Peyton Thorne since the first time we got to talk with him, the first time we saw anything from him. Coach's kid, Chicago area, Naperville, Illinois, and has a lot of connections. Two receivers on this Michigan State squad played high school ball with him, Jaden Reed and Kate McDonald, I believe is the other one. But he's got those connections with those guys, and he just seems like the best leader on that squad. And I could be very wrong. I'm basing that off of the spring game and things that we've seen. But immediately after the spring game, Peyton Thorne gets done talking to the media. First thing he does, goes and huddles up with every receiver on the team and talks with them about where things were at and what they were doing. I think that Jay Johnson, when he was first hired at Michigan State last year, mentioned that CEO mindset. The quarterback needs to be the CEO. And I think that Peyton Thorne is that guy. And he's got the IQ that he's going to need to play football at this level and protect the ball. And I think he's got plenty of arm strength as well, but we'll see. He is a coach's kid. And that's what you always hear. He talks like a coach's kid. 
So the the one good thing is you finally have a legitimate quarterback, Bob. That will not last year with Theo Day, who in the very limited time that he played didn't seem like he could run a play right. We all we all knew what we were going to get from Rocky Lombardi when you can't complete half your passes, and Thorne was just too raw. Thorne didn't have a lot of Division One offers. It just a lot of big Division One offers, I should say, Power Five wise. Who do you guys think is going to be the biggest transfer acquisition and is going to have the biggest impact? I go with Kenneth Walker. I was either going to go Walker or Crouch. The only reason I say Walker is because Michigan State needs a traditional, like, power runner, like a guy that you need to have three guys bring him down. Like, you're not going to be able to arm tackle this guy. What we saw, again, it was the spring game, his ability to make something out of nothing, his ability to see where the hole is and then bounce it back outside if it's not there is insane. Elijah Collins is not a power runner. Connor Hayward shouldn't be on scholarship. And Jordan Simmons is more of like an Ant Williams scat back guy. They finally have a guy who just runs through people. Like, have you guys seen what he looks like in, when he was, he's been working out with Peyton Thorne and Reed? He looks like the Incredible Hulk. Like, he doesn't go down on first contact. You don't rush for 13 touchdowns without running through people. Like, he alone had six times as many rushing touchdowns as the entire Michigan State offense. I would say Walker as well. I mean, he was ranked – he was tied for third in the ACC in rushing touchdowns last year. And what Michigan State needs is guys, who, like you said, terms who are going to punch it in. I mean – too many times they had to, you know, settle for field goals and were getting held up short uh, in the red zone. And, you know, Walker very well might make that difference. So I think Walker is probably the clear answer here. So I'll give an underrated one in a second. But I also want to say a guy that it will be nice to see if he remains how he was in the spring game is Elijah Collins back to 2019 Elijah Collins for him because he talked about his struggles with COVID-19 and that really affecting him last season. And he said he felt like he was back. Boy, did he look back in the spring game. And if you can add those two plus Harold Joyner, that running back room is going to be really, really deep. But I'll go with a sneaky one defensively. And I'll say Ronald Williams. That was a guy that Xavier Henderson talked a bunch about today. A guy that was at Alabama, as you mentioned, and has just that length at cornerback that's really going to help them as well as quickness. I mean, Xavier Henderson said he can run like the wind and that guy can, that guy can move. And if he has the length and can move like that, that's something you really want to see because Michigan state, when it was really good, it was the defense. It was the D line and the trenches. Their run defense was phenomenal, but it was the no fly zone. And they're trying to get back to that mantra. And I think that these transfers coming in, on that secondary are going to really help with that. Nothing, and I will say this every day, and as I've said on SRZ time and time again, they don't go anywhere without having a competent offensive line. And when I say competent, I don't mean the 2019 Dallas Cowboys. I mean average. That's all this team needs, I think, to make a bowl game. Other than offensive line, do you look at a position on this team and say, okay, they're awful? No, I don't think you can you added enough at you added enough at linebacker, you added enough in the secondary, you have enough at receiver, 
you have two decent guys at quarterback, one of whom had a good winning record at Temple and threw for over 6,000 yards. But the bottom line is, if the year starts tomorrow, you're probably running out four starters from a year ago. Kevin Jarvis, Matt Carrick, J.D. Duplain, and Nick Samick slash slash Matt Allen. Yes, this position group specifically has a lot of experience, but not all experience is good experience. Time and time and time. If you go back four or five years, Michigan State's 117th, 115th, 113th in points per game and yards per game. They even finished above 95th and averaged more than 24.24.5 points per game since 2015. I mean, it's been a, a bleep show. It's been awful. And, like, I'm sorry if the thought of Matt Carrick and Kevin Jarvis and Matt Allen trotting out week, week one doesn't make me want to beat my head in through a piece of drywall. Like, get somebody else in. I want horse to play. I mean, our curious times last year was a human turnstile. It just, I don't think they did enough in the portal on the offensive line. You got one guy. You got one guy for a position group that was as bad, if not worse, than the corners. At least at the corners last year, you had Kalan Gervin and Angelo Gross playing competent ball. At linebacker last year, at least you had Noah Harvey and Chase Klein at times playing competent ball. Who on the offensive line last year was competent other than Samak and Duplain at times? And you got one guy. And none of the freshmen coming in are really going to be able to address anything. Boyd's still too young and raw, and Vandermark and all these other guys just now got on campus. They're not going to play. They've been on campus for three months. Do you trust uh, Chris Kaplovich, though? A guy that has a very impressive track record, and you give him a full spring and a full summer, how much of a difference do you think he's going to be able to make with these guys? I trust him, but these are still Mark's guys. You're they still are. not completely You still are, not you completely went, but did you buried the swamp. But yeah. What he did in Colorado, though, was really impressive in one season. Those weren't his guys. And he went out to Colorado and improved their rushing numbers and their line by a ton. Yeah, but they also weren't 118th out of 127 teams either. Like, they, yeah. you can't make a polished turd gold all of a sudden. There's only so much you can do. No, you're right. I was just asking a question. I was saying, like, how much of an impact do you think he's going to be able to have on these guys? Because you only have the roster that you've got. So they're going to have to make through with what they've got now, even as you said, if they didn't do enough. They still have to make do with what they have. And so how much of an impact do you think he's going to make on them? I, I just I, – I can't see it, and I'll tell you why. Okay, you are what you are after four years of college football. When you have Jarvis, Carrick, Campbell, Allen, all these guys that are coming back, and you started 25 games and you've not once played anything above mediocre football, I don't think it's majorly going to click for you in year five. You kind of are what you are at that point. I mean, and it's not even like, you know, them not knowing what they're doing. It's just, I don't know if it's talent. I don't know where it is. I just, when you started 30 games, you've just kind of made your nest. You've kind of made your bed. And now you got to lay in it. I just, I don't think there's a single offensive line coach in college football that can make that a top 25 offensive line group in the country. Well, I mean, top 25 is high, high level. Like average is all you were asking for. No, I know what I'm saying. I, I don't even, if all, if everything goes right, I think they could be average. But like, I, I wouldn't say If they're average, what do you think their record is? Seven and five. Seven and five. I think there's some, if, if, if that offensive line isn't the reason they're losing, they'll be okay. In the past, 
that was the reason they were losing more than anything else. I blame the Rutgers loss as bad as it was, as bad as Lombardi was, as bad as he was with seven turnovers. Um, when you're dropping back in a three-step drop, a three-step drop, and in three quarters of a second, you have three guys on top of you. That affects your processing speed. That affects your reads. That affects everything. There's no drill that teaches that, and that gets to your confidence. And if you don't, if you can't put five at least competent guys out in front of Russo, that's going to affect his processing speed. Then you start to speed everything up. Then you try to get the ball out quicker and you try to press things because you know you don't have enough time. And it's just in the spring game. Okay, they had 15 spring practices. Did you like what you saw from Matt Carrick? Did you like what you saw from Matt Allen? I saw Matt Allen get pulled as a fifth-year senior because he couldn't get the cadence right, and I saw Carrick get beat on an inside twist drill by Simeon Barrow, who's a redshirt freshman time after time. So, no, I'm not excited. Yeah. Like, that's what I saw. That's what happened after 15 spring practices, and they haven't reached fall camp yet, and they're really not on the field working out. So, I don't know. When you look at this schedule, though, it, this is why everybody listening is like, how can you go seven and five? Everybody is predicting the you know, big, other Big Ten media outlets are predicting that they're going to be one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the conference. But it's the schedule. This schedule is very, very doable. I remember the first time it came out, I'm almost at the point where it's like, Mel's got to get to six wins this year. There's no reason you can't. Yeah. You go, you're at Northwestern, you lost Patty Fisher, you lost Ramsey, you lost Slater. You probably don't win at Miami week three September, on uh, September 18th, but your two crossover games are against Nebraska at home and at Purdue. Those are perennial five-win teams. We don't know what Michigan's going to be because we never know what Michigan's going to be. Harbaugh's a dead man walking. We don't know what we're going to get from Rutgers in Maryland because even though they're slightly better, um, slightly better of having one foot in the grave and another on a banana peel still not good um i just i look at this and other than going down to ohio state on the 20th and possibly going down to miami and you know possibly indiana i think every other game on the schedule is a winnable game it's a toss-up yeah like am i wrong or do you guys see it differently or what do you think where, where do you put this over under like on the team? You think they get to seven? You think they get to you think they get to six or what? I think I'm slamming the Vegas over under. I'm slamming the over. The Vegas over under is like four. Like the, it opened at four, not four and a half, like straight four. And if all you got to do to push is Michigan State win four games, I think this team wins four games. Well, yeah, you got two built-in games with Youngtown State and Western Kentucky. Then you're telling me you can't beat that you can't scrape two wins out right, of Nebraska, Rockers, Maryland, Purdue. Now, am I confident in this team enough to say anything more than four wins? I don't know. Because as I said, they could be, I could see them going four and eight. I can also see them going nine and three if everything went right. So like, it's really hard for me to pick something besides say that I think this team can get to four wins, but I think they should get to six. The one thing I will say, there is more excitement and there's more potential on this year's team than last you knew last year's team was going to be a mess. Not even because Mel gets hired so late, but you look at the roster and it's like, what do I have to work with? As good as Mark D'Antonio was, and as good as you have the heights of the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, all these things, left the program in a mess. 
it was a mess. And he left the fridge empty and nobody was refilling it. You can't open the fridge. You want a friggin' five-star buffet? There ain't no prime rib or anything, you know, Cabernet in there. It was the equivalent of having toilet water. I mean, you just, it's just hard for me to, I'm kind of with you, Zach. I think it's a 6-7 win team. That's why I'm kind of splitting it down the middle. I'm not going to say they win every toss-up game, but I also think that it's very fair to say, even last year, there are a couple snaps away from me from having four wins. They beat the tar out of Penn State in that first half and then just kind of gave up. If Rocky Lombardi doesn't turn into Jake DeLome against the Arizona Cardinals in 2008 and throwing five interceptions in the first round of the wild card game, they win that game. They put up four scores despite having seven turnovers. I'm not high on Rutgers. I'm not high on Mike Loxley. I don't even know how Mike Loxley still has a job, but six, seven win team. I think that's a fair estimate. What do you think, Aiden? I would agree. I would be very surprised if they don't at least uh, have a 500 record at the end of the season. I mean, that's right now. I feel like that is the expectation, even though maybe the expectation is they need to be a seven win team, but they're coming off a horrific season. They're in somewhat of a rebuilding stage. And so it's baby steps, and I'm, I, I'm at least six wins for me. It's got to be and, at least six. And Tucker said today he was up properly. He was like, the days of a coach comes in and lowers the expectations, and then the four, five, six year plan are gone. He said, you have to have success, and you have to have it now. Like he knows that you can't just come out and this Michigan State team. He can't afford for them to come out and win four games this season. Like, I feel like for him, you got to make a bowl game this year. I'm not saying that he'll be fired if they don't, but I'm saying that his he's got a lot of excitement surrounding him right now in this area. And that will change very quickly if they go three and nine or four and eight this season. Well, because the conference is more wide open now than it ever has been. Well, we assume. We assume that Ohio State loses Justin. I mean, they're still going to be good, but you still lose Justin Fields. That's not something that's, you know, easy to replace. You will. I mean, yeah, we, we yeah. know Ryan Day will, but I mean, there's right. – Alabama and Clemson lost their quarterbacks too, and uh, I think they'll be just fine too. But it at this point – no, no, he's not going to get fired. I mean, I, I know that – Right, yeah, no, I'm not saying – But it, it, you'll, start to, you'll start to hear the talking heads and you know, the, yeah. the seat's going to get a little warmer. Right, exactly. Like, okay, you know, you have to show incremental improvement and a rebuild. You know, we don't need to get to Rome. We don't need to get to the top of the Coliseum by year three. But you went two and five last year. Going four and eight is not as much of an – it's not an improvement. Last year's schedule was tough, too. That was a tough schedule. You had Indiana – you ha- even though Penn State wasn't here, you had Indiana having a once in a 50 year sort of blue moon year. Ohio State's always going to be tough. Iowa's going to be tough. But you have two middling teams again as your crossover. And in terms of like, ro- like road games, playing at Northwestern and playing at Purdue are probably two of the easiest stadiums to play at in the Big Ten. Next to Illinois, next to Maryland, and then maybe next to Rutgers. There's no reason at all why this team can't get to six or seven wins. But we're changing gears a little bit. Um, looking at the 2021 
recruiting class, Antonio Gates Jr., the son of former legendary Los Angeles Chargers, former San Diego Chargers tight, and Antonio Gates puts out his top five. As of right now, Mel's doing quite a decent job on the recruiting trail. You got, obviously, Caden Hauser, who everybody thinks is going to be the second coming of Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think he's going to be good. He's as good of a four-star as a four-star. I mean, I know he's not technically a four-star, but he's a four-star. Yeah. He was a four-star, and then before he commits, he magically gets demoted to a high three-star. Well, it was – I think – isn't that the composite rankings? Like yes. Said, he's a, so, I believe – isn't he a 24-7 four-star? No, he's not. It's he's not? Or composite, he was a four. and it, Or composite, he's a high three, and then the other one, I don't even know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I he's think a four. he's a – if I remember right, he's a 24-7 four-star – but he's a composite three because I think he's a three in ESPNs. Because, as I say, two four seven is weird with a lot. But so you I could know, be wrong. I could be thinking Jack thing. Nickel, huge get on the um, in terms of getting a tight. It has been a long time going back to Trent Gillison, but I, I'm kind of I don't think anybody's really high on him. Where yeah, Michigan right State's gotten a tight end, but he's getting outplayed by Tyler Hunt. He was getting outplayed by Tyler Hunt in the spring game. Hunt was running out the ones. Former Notre Dame commit, decommits from Notre Dame, but you look at the offer sheet. Nebraska, Northwestern, Oregon, Penn State, Purdue, Wisconsin. I mean, NC State, Louisville, Iowa goes on and on and on and on. I really need to see Mel get at least one or two four-stars, I think, by the end of this recruiting cycle. Looks like Ryan Bayer is probably going to come here. It's between – I think Michigan State and Kentucky, he's kind of gone back and forth with. And Alex Van Sumeren, the younger brother of current Michigan State, uh, obviously linebacker, former Michigan linebacker, Ben Van Sumeren, and Antonio Gates Jr. You get those three, and right now 247 is projecting almost all three of those guys as a lot. You get three four-stars, Hauser, Jack Nickel, Malik Spencer, Quavian Carter, like high, high three-stars. Six-star kicker Jack Stone. Yeah, by Chris Saylor kicking. I don't even know what that is, but that, that's an argument for another day. Right now, 247 has them as the seventh-rated Big Ten recruiting class and 31st in the nation. It's not bad. Not bad at all. What do you guys think? I mean, I just – I need to see I, – I know I said it, but I need to see Ryan Bayer. I need to see – I'm tired of missing out on the four stars. You missed out on Andrew Anthony. It looks like Jaden Mangum, who is a really good four-star athlete, is going to go to West Virginia. It looks like um, – He'll be here. I just saw a thing today, though. He's supposed to come to Michigan State the day before his commitment thing. He's making a second visit to Michigan State. If I um, – I saw on Twitter earlier, uh, I think 24-7 put it out. Kevin Thomas uh, was a wide receiver from Philadelphia, was initially projected to go to Michigan State. Now looking at his – at his profile, uh, the Newman Garetti prospect out in Philadelphia is now projected to go to West Virginia. Like, you, you got to close the deal with some of these, especially the in-state process. You cannot allow – I mean, if you lose a four-star to someone like Clemson or Ohio State, okay, okay. But West Virginia? Like, what's so great – no offense, what's so great about West Virginia? Doesn't look like they're going to get Tatum. I think that, you know, that ship has sailed. So the, the, the pros like the prospect is slowly going over. Like there's only three or four stars left that you have a feasible chance of getting. And you, you got, you got to close the deal here at the end of the day. Um, 
But final thoughts, I know we're all tired. It's going on 1130 at night and we've been kind of burning the midnight oil. But what were just a couple of key takeaways for both of you that you thought? Did you think Mel looked nervous at all? Did you buy into what he was saying? Did you? It seems like at this time of the year, everybody's going to say, oh, I love the team. Um, I think we have a really good squad. No, no coach is going to go up there. Yeah, we suck. Yeah, we're going to win two games this year. And I hate my team. Like, you know what you're going to get. It's a giant PR event. Yeah. But do you think the team's bought in? Do you buy it what they're selling, or do you think it's just for PR reasons? Um when Mel had his opening presser at the at the beginning, the uh, started at eleven a.m. Um, I did think I sensed nerves a bit compared to when he talked um to Michigan State reporters um during his uh, slot time. Um, I don't know. I think he was just, he was just trying to be a media guy when he, you know, he was playing it safe. And with us, um, you know, when we were over with him uh, during his time slot at two o'clock, um, you know, I think he was back to Mel, the same Mel you got during this, uh, the spring pressers. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I did sense nerves. Was I the only one? No, I thought I said something to, uh, you Stearns at the thing. I thought he was a little nervous at the big thing, but I mean, that's not a bad thing. And it's not to be, it's not unexpected either. This is his first big 10 media day. And he kind of talked about being a dream come true job. Like, he started as a grad assistant at Michigan State in 1997, and now he's back here and he's the head coach for Big Ten Media Day. Like that's got to be kind of surreal for him. Well, it's only—he's not going to say it, but it's dream come. It's a dream come true because they're paying him a lot more than he was getting in Colorado. But that's well, I mean, partially, the point. But like, I can I can see the dream come true. Like coming back to where it started, like being from this area. Like I can see it. I'll buy it. I think that's part of it. I think, but I mean, I I, I do attribute at least half of it to you know. The dollar dollar. And he, I mean, he's got the full creative freedom with the football program, kind of like Izzo does. Like, you're not going to have Beekman in every, you know, it's sort of like the helicopter manager saying, I want you to do this, this, and this. He's going to be able to do exactly what he wants with that football program in terms of the assistance that he got from Kavlovich to Gilmore to Courtney Hawkins and Flint Beecher. Give credit to him for getting Fulcher, by the way. I wanted to talk about that for a second. That's huge getting into the Detroit area. Because other than Kalan Gervin and a couple other guys, that's been Michigan's playground. And you get him, and then you get Hawkins from Flint. Those are two huge areas that you'd be able to recruit. There's a five-star from Martin Luther King that's coming to visit Michigan State in a couple weeks, 2023 five-star quarterback. And that's just when that NCAA limit expires. It's it's not a Castec guy. It's not. Oh, it's not Detroit. It's it's Detroit, but it's not Castec. It's from NLK. Man, I just, it, it, I didn't sense the nerves, but I did sense the, I had to laugh when that poor young little, there was a poor young junior journalist goes up oh, there, yeah. coach, uh, you go two and five last year. What are you going to have to do to uh, improve, on the, improve on the record? And then all the Michigan State beat writers just start chuckling. And uh, I don't know who it was, but like, there's a couple of articles that led with that. And then Mel kind, kind of chuckles and go, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Anybody over the age that would have, would have uh, asked that, he would have probably flamed. Mm-hmm. 
but it was because yeah. the kid was like eight years old but and i mean it i mean i guess it's somewhat a valid question like how are you going to improve online so you you don't necessarily like like for a journalist you don't necessarily want to word it that way like you don't want to be like you guys had a rough season last year what are you going to do on that but like how are you looking to move forward to the next season? Like, that's a valid question. I mean, you did. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like the whole debate when, uh, with that Duke student journalist that got roasted by Coach K um, for the way that he asked the question after the thing where he said, was like, he hasn't lost two straight now. How are you looking to rebound moving forward? Like, that's not. That's Coaches not- don't like when reporters are blunt, but when you're giving facts, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, when it's like, well, Mel, you were. You were two and five last two year. Two and five last year, and you had uh, one of the ten worst offenses in Division One football yet again, and you were outscored forty-nine to seven to Iowa and twenty-eight to nothing and fifty-two to ten and thirty-nine to twenty-four and all these other lopsided games and thirty-eight to twenty-seven to a team that hadn't won a Big Ten game in almost three years. It's like what would you call that? I mean, the, the kid was right, but I mean, I give I give him the credit for and the other. The other shout I want, I wanted to give, you know, once we start doing this uh, regularly, there's always been like the Joey Ellis powerhouse, like Memorial frame of the week and all this other, you know, for all the old impact alums that precede me and who I worked with when I first got in here, big shout out to the guy who asked that horrible question two days ago that said, go blue. And then he's back asking Shiano the first question of the day again, like, you go, buddy. Don't let the world and get you to. Is a Jersey boy myself? I was like, oh no. It's like, yeah, someone needs to take journalism, media, law, and ethics with Quisarno, who's who I got for for uh, journalism four thirty right now. But it's like, no, he's not a journalist. He's a people yeah, like people crucify that and kind of rightfully so. Yeah, they but. destroyed it. I kind of felt bad for him. Like, like I was scrolling through Twitter, and that's like the only thing I saw on Twitter. I'm like, dude. Like it, BTN is posting your stuff and then you're it, getting flamed. I mean, well, clearly it didn't affect them. I mean, it, I was going to say, it's so bad, but it's so elementary in the same time. Like, I, it's like, like I'm in the middle. Like, it, it, it's one thing where it's like, yeah, it's not like he killed somebody, but you learn that day one when you're a freshman in college. Like, I remember having Brendan Watson's 108 journalism class over at Natural Resources with that giant polar bear at 8 o'clock in the morning and having to take the giant snowy trek. Um, and that's what you learn about. And then, you know, to see someone like that, you know, make that mistake, it's just unfortunate. But um, just lo- love the environment, you know, before we sign off, just having the ability to work, having the ability to, you know, kind of rub elbows with Howard Griffith and you know, BTN, and you're just seeing all these guys, you know, you, you don't realize until, you know, sometimes you get back because you're in the moment. You don't realize until you get back to the hotel and you're like, my God, I just rubbed elbows with, you know, Ryan Day with, you know, Griffith with all these other famous broadcasters and commentators who 99% of the world is never going to get to know. 99% of the world is never going to be able to walk on the field of Lucas Oil Stadium. With the national championship. Exactly. And we, we took a picture of the of the Big Ten National Championship, or the, the National Championship Dr. Pepper Trophy. Like, that's something I don't take for granted. And it was just, it was a really, really lovely experience. And I'm, you know, looking forward for the rest of the season, you know, going to Miami, going to Rutgers, going to Northwestern. The like, horseshoe? The shoe, yeah. The yeah. Shoe? yeah. Sixty. I mean, they might lose 60 to 10, but it's still 65,000 people I and just, it's the shoe. I just hope that that game, like, it would be a blast. 
if Michigan State, like if everything comes together, Michigan State's got a competent football team, and they are like say six and three or seven and two going into that game against an undefeated Ohio State team, and we can go down there and it'd be like it's a one score game going into the fourth, something like that. Even yeah. that, just like if it's a good enough to get a night like a primetime game, and we're in a night game in Columbus, like that would be nuts. It's better than the noon o'clock. Yeah, thanks ABC. The noon kickoff for Miami. It like give it give me seven thirty at Hard Rock. That would be bleeping nuts. Yeah. I mean, holy mother of I don't want to break have any FCC violations here, but uh, that would be awesome. Um, but it just it, it was a good it was you know just a really fun time, and it was it, it felt normal. I think that was the biggest thing. The, the world slowly returning to normal. You got people walking around without masks. Yes, things are socially distant, but that's the first time I've ever seen Mel Tucker, I guess, in person. Like, yeah. looking at looking at looking at him down from the press box doesn't count. Um, you know, doing those Zoom things doesn't count. It was finally normal. But yeah. a year ago, at this time, an event like today just seemed out of reach. You know, you weren't thinking like that, but. That's that's what makes us all even more special. You guys got anything else to say, or are we about ready to rock and roll? We got to we got to pack up and then drive back another four hours tomorrow. Yeah, We're gonna stop at Dickie's Barbecue. We gotta we gotta go to Coldwater Dickie's Barbecue. If Eric Box listening, which I know he is, and he's probably in uh, he's probably so, somewhere in North Carolina. The Moorhead yeah. City Marlins. Shout out Coastal Plain League. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning into this. Now, very late night edition. It's eleven thirty-two. You guys can say our alarm clock's a little, a little Every click over there. Yeah, it's like, like so, fifteen minutes fast too. Like it's not even close. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, keep it tuned into Impact eighty nine FM dot org, Impact eighty nine FM Sports, the Twitter account, and we. We'll be sure to give you guys all the latest MSU news as we uh, as we come in contact with it. Thank you guys and have a great evening.